So all I got to do is uh, hit record and we do the goofy intro promo thing that confuses everybody. Okay, go. <laughs> hey, this is Joe Trodden from MindsetExperts.co.uk and you're listening to Jeff Smith on Vroom Vroom VR. So listen up. Well done, sir. That was a little too good, but we'll take it. <laughs> and later on, I'm going to get you to do that American accent. <laughs> okay. I, I love it. I love it. All right. I'll be right back. I guess I'm going to hit stop. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Sunday Burquist. Thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Beer and welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. Hey, I appreciate you being here. So talk a little bit about what you've got going on that you're most excited about today over there at IamGritGirl.com. Well, thank you. I'm most excited about building a tribe of women who support each other and collaborate with each other. I have a book called Grit Girl, Power to Survive. And I'm speaking at uh, women's events or corporate events, so it keeps me pretty busy. I love all of it. It sounds like you're having a blast. I am having a blast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good because it wasn't yeah. always like that, right? I mean, not so long ago, uh, you weren't having a blast. So let's get into it. <laughs> this is very true. Yes, very true. Okay, so let's let's go back in time and talk about you growing up. Did you grow up in Minnesota? I did. Okay. Yep. Born so, and raised, stayed here my whole life. Um, I, you want me to just jump in? Yeah, jump in. Go jump for it. Jump in? Okay. So uh, when I was little, my dad was an alcoholic. Wow. Until, yep, until the age of, uh, I was 11. And um, my mom was actually raised in a home where both of her parents died of alcoholism. Wow. Her mom, when she was only 16, and she was left to raise some of her siblings and her dad, two days after she got married, actually. Um, so here she finds herself in a marriage with an alcoholic and three small children. And, you know, the flip side, is, is that was horrible, right? Yes. Um, but, but on the other side of that, the, the, the good part about it was, besides the drinking, my dad was a really good dad. He wasn't an angry drunk. He spent a ton of time with us kids. He took me camping every weekend. I was very close to him. Okay. Um, you know, so it wasn't, I mean, I knew there was a problem. My mom was actually sending me to like AA classes for kids and stuff like that. Wow. And, okay. um, you know, so I knew a few things. And there was an incident with my brothers. My dad had taken them to the cabin ice fishing. Okay. And my brothers called home. They were like four and five. And one of them said, oh, mom, Max fell through the ice today. Uh-huh. But he's out. And my mom basically wow. went ballistic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big and deal. Was, yeah. yeah, it was like a game change. I mean, she was already contemplating what she would do. But this was, you know, beyond anything. And um, she couldn't. You know, he couldn't drive him home. He was drunk. Sure. And wow. um, so they get home. And shortly after that, he'd been in a motorcycle accident. He'd actually driven the wrong way up an exit ramp. Wow. Um, ended up in the hospital. My uncles went to get him. And by the time they got there, he had left and gone to another bar. Oh, geez. Yeah. So it was, it was bad. And that, that next morning, I remember seeing him on the couch, black and blue, his eyes are swollen shut. And he was covered up with a blanket, I think, trying to hide, you know, everything. Yeah. And I said, uh, Dad, um, can we go ice skating? And this is very typical. Every Saturday, he would do something with us. And he said, I don't know. Your mom said I might have to leave. And yikes, that was devastating. Yeah, that's a big um, deal. And you're 11 years old. I was 11. Okay. 
and but I knew it was a problem, you know, even at that age. So thankfully, he chose us. He chose the family. He quit drinking cold turkey, which kind of had some of its own issues. But um, he did quit drinking and ended up my mom was, you know, the mom that was taking her kids to church by herself every week. And uh, my dad decided to join with her. And that was kind of from there. We were raised, you know, in in a Christian home, but our home was very chaotic and crazy. My parents didn't have a great relationship. My brothers were off the wall out of control. Okay. You know, so we, we affectionately call ourselves the loud family. Loud, and everybody loud. else called us that too. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, it was like, oh yeah, the crazy fear and, you know, um, but somehow we all survived it. And um, I ended up, I had my moments in high school, but I, I was pretty, you know, not near as terrible as my brother's. And, um, I ended up going to Bible college, coming back and working at the same church, actually, I'd gone to my whole life. Wow. Um, okay. My poor, you know, my parents just barely survived with my brothers. Um, the police were at our house often. You know, my mom actually asked them if they would take them. And the police were like, no, you can't kick them out until they're 18. And <laughs> I remember my mom going, what am I supposed to do with them? They're so out of control, you know, and, and yeah. um, things just weren't great at the home. Okay. Um, so fast forward, I get married, which is great. Um, I have four children, but at, at this moment in time, I had three boys. My dad got cancer. And, wow. Um, okay. And was that just recently that. or? Um, no, it was actually 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Well, 18 years ago now. Okay. Okay. He got cancer and it went away and then it came back and he didn't tell us. And him and my mom ended up kind of separating and, and that was really hard for me. And I remember him moving into like, um, like a halfway house. Wow. And okay. I just remember this call with him and it was like, dad, you drink? Like you drink? I mean, it was just so. Right, right. That's, you know, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> no, it's been, you know, sure. so long and, and he was yeah. depressed and, and all that was hard. So he, he, he did end up in the hospital um, and I was in charge of his care and we got there and, and, you know, he was in the hospital for seven days before he passed. Um, he was only 49. Wow. Which is so did he crazy. die from cancer or? He did. Okay. He died from cancer. It moved into his lungs. Um, but the positive was we all got time with him, including my mom, uh, before he passed. And the day he passed, he was, you know, his breathing was shallow. His eyes were open, but he couldn't talk anymore. And the nurse said to me, you know, he can hear you. And so I said, okay. And I'm alone in the room with him. And I grabbed his hand and I looked him in the eyes and I just said, dad, you were a really good dad. Mm. And one tear came out of one of his eyes and rolled down his cheek and he squeezed my hand just a tiny bit and then he he passed away. Oh, geez. Ouch. So it was really hard, but at least I got that time with them. Some people don't. Yeah, Um, you're right. You know? You're right. So I have to look at it that way. And I was pregnant with my daughter at the time. So it's like, okay, my dad died. He's only 49. I'm 48. And I'm thinking, that's my age. I mean, it's just so young. Yeah. You're right. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so two years later, my brother and his wife, my sister-in-law, were expecting a little boy. And on his due date, um, he passed away. What? And uh, what? it was horrible. Wow. It was, uh, it was, uh, she went in on his due date and they, they figured out that he had put his foot in the umbilical cord, which was around his neck. Oh, my goodness. And stretched his foot out. Oh, my goodness. So that's, you know, a, a baby that's due, that's a death in the family. Um, yes, you're right. That, that was That was really that's significant. That's a tragedy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so terrible. He had a little girl at the time. This was his little boy. But um, almost a year to the date later, they had another girl. And, you know, it wow. was, uh, you know, um, she's awesome, of course. Right. So Hunter's with my dad, um, I believe. And two years after that, or a little bit less, my father-in-law got cancer and died. My Um, goodness. Wow. Father-in-law. Father-in-law. So one of your brothers 
Wait a minute. No. No, my husband's dad. Your husband's dad. Oh, jeez. Yep. Yeah. And that was terrible because now my kids had no grandpas. And, um, you know, I I realize that happens to families, of course. I'm not the only one. But it was hard because it's 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 interesting that you have two, you you get married to somebody who also has, because uh, I don't know. I mean, you probably know more about this than me, but it sounds like a lot of uh, cancer, like if your mom and dad have cancer, it's like genetic, then you have a... Um, higher uh, probability of getting some sort of cancer? Is that Does that sound right to I you? Mean, I mean, it could be. It depends on the type of right. cancer. I think right. my dad's cancer, actually, they said only 120 people in the whole world had this type of cancer. Wow. That's pretty rare. Yeah. <laughs> it's very rare. And my right. father-in-law had Hodgkin's, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and they have Traced it to the pesticides he worked with as a young man, like in his early twenties. Jeez, so that's mm-hmm. not really a genetic thing. That's just uh-uh. no. And, and he was a man that exercised his entire life, never smoked, never drank, mm. very healthy. You right. know, so it was just wow. Um, yeah, devastating again for the family. And and I had two grandpas that were really hands on with their grandkids, and so that was that is that's that's a, that's, that's a rough blow. Wow, that's a very frustrating to me. Right. However, you're living like the life of Job already and you're not even. Yeah, that's what it felt like sometimes. <laughs> At least it, it felt a little spread out. So like, I got to just keep getting up for my kids, you know, and keep yeah. going and wow. show them that you can't let stuff you know, define your whole life. Yeah. And at um, at some point you must go through that. I'm, I'm angry with God in the universe, mm -hmm. right? Talk a little bit about what that feels like, because I think a lot of that gets lost about how you can just be so angry. Yes, it does. And I think there's the school of people that would say, well, you can't get mad at God. Well, and then there's the school of people on the way flip side that's like, well, if there is a guy, this wouldn't have happened. So screw him. <laughs> and, um, I think there's an in-between. I do. I think, I think there's an in-between. And, yeah. I, and I think that I think a lot of people sometimes feel like they have to mask their feelings. I was angry at God. I was like, listen, two grandpas that were both hands, like they're both gone. Like this is not right. Like I don't, well, I don't understand. A baby, right. that's not right. I remember when my nephew died talking to my pastor and I'm done. I just, I'm done with God. This is, this is, I'm done. She's like, Oh no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I am. What's the point? What is the point? If you just lose stuff anyways, you know? Right. So I did have to work through that and it was hard. Um, but at the end of the day, I had to decide that I, if I could base God on my experience, he wouldn't be God. And, um, so I, I've learned that in my mind, the way I look at it is I have file cabinets of memories and these go in my, I don't understand files. Right. And I put them in my file box and I have to put them away because I got to live life. Yeah. And I think you, you hit on there like um, something that's very important um, for mm-hmm. me anyway, because I think this is very Midwestern that like, I grew up in Michigan. You grew up in Minnesota. Um, expressing emotions is yeah. not really sort of like a Midwestern thing. <laughs> no, no right. it is not. It is not. So it's like no. you just must buck up, and if you want to cry, do it alone. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and yes. don't tell me what. If someone says, how right. are you, you always answer, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Right. Just like that. I'm, I'm fine. fine. Right. Yeah, right. I'm fine. I can't complain. Right. <laughs> but I, yeah. But I don't want to leave the house. So yeah, you know. Well, and I what I've learned once I got out of the Midwest is that that is actually quite harmful to your body and your soul. Um, you know, because That's for sure. Yeah, I had a teacher. I can't. Remember, I think it was uh, when I went to massage school, and we were talking about how. You know, that that what you just said there is like you're not allowed to be angry with God. Right. Mm-hmm, and I get mm-hmm. that sentiment. Right. Uh, uh, you yeah. know, I grew up in the church, too. It's like but I, I you can't help but feel what you feel. And to deny well, that yeah. is is not effective. Right. You basically Mm-mm. have to feel it in order to process it. 
It doesn't make it true or not true. It just makes you're feeling it and that's valid, right? And you you have to work through that. You have to process it. Or if you just try to deny it, it's not going to go away. No. I mean, you'll either do one of two things. You'll be sick. Right. Or you'll become a drug addict, alcoholic, or addicted to food or something else. Right. You're just going to try to like cover it up Mm -hmm. instead Mm -hmm. of actually processing it and working through it and understanding it and letting it go eventually, one would hope. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, you got to give people time and even your own self. You have to give yourself the grace and the time to work through it. And I think it's important to remember God gave us emotions. Yes. And sometimes I've thought, you know, that's a big boy. He can handle it. Like if you yelled at him or you were mad at him, he's a big boy. He can deal with it. He can totally deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like I get it. Yeah. I would be mad too. Yes. You know, but, um, and that's okay. So yeah, I agree with you. I think if, if you hold it in, you get sick, literally. Yeah. It's not the right way to go. Um, yeah. So, okay. Wow. Wow, By the way, wow. That, I mean, I don't know how many people uh, that have heard your story that, that starts from 40 (laughs) had any idea. Yeah. And that's not even the end of it. Uh, I know. Okay. So where are we now? You know? Okay. Well, let me just say during this whole process of all these things and up until probably six years ago, um, I also had a heroin addict as a brother. A brother, uh, okay. One of my brothers is a heroin addict. And he's been clean now for five years. He's doing fantastic. But I don't know unless you've been a person that's dealt with addiction in your life that people know the toll and what it does to families. Um, it ended up being a lot of, you know, fighting with my mom about, you know, are you enabling? Are we enabling? Who's enabling? All this stuff. Sure. And um, bailing him out and being worried about him and getting him into treatment. And um, so this is all going on in the midst of the other stuff. Um, you don't so have you don't have a whole lot of breaks in your life. It doesn't seem like you no, don't know. It no. doesn't feel like it. You don't, no. you're not getting a whole lot of breaks there. Um, no, I, yeah, <laughs> that's what it felt like. Come on. What else can you throw at me? You know, well, you know I uh, think, I think of all the diseases, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like we don't judge people for getting cancer. We don't judge people for getting a brain tumor. We, you know, right. but if you have a disease called addiction, then you're bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That's not right. that's a, a problem of society. That, you mm-hmm. know, our mass hysteria that we call normal <laughs> yeah. has yet to figure out. Yes. Yeah. Our normal is yeah. not. It's well, it is normal because everybody's that way, but it's not okay. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, it's 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 like this uh constant like I'm so mad at you, I want to punch you in the face. Right. Um, but at the other hand, it's like, I love you so much. Please stop. You don't know what you know you're doing. You're right. ruining your family. You have small children. You're, um, I mean, there were times I would just cry. I sent him a video one time and cried. And I was like, he said, your boys are going to call someone else daddy. And, um, that kind of got to him. I mean, he knew it, but it was, you know, so thankfully he's, He's been free now for five years. And heroin is a tough, tough, tough. They say only 5% of people get free from heroin or an opiate addiction. It is. Yeah. It's, Uh I know like it, because while you're doing it, you're also incurring brain damage on every dose. Yes. So. Yeah. And it stunts you emotionally because I would get so frustrated with them. And my husband say, why are you arguing with him? You're talking to heroin. You're not talking to him. You're talking to the drug, which is true. Right. But I was like, I don't understand how he acts like this. Well, because he started taking drugs when my dad died and he was only 17 year old. So yeah. 17 years wow. old. So yeah. he was stunted in the thinking of a 17 year old. Yeah. And your brain at 17 is still in its um, development yes. stage. Right. Yeah. So that means yeah. that he had brain damage while he was still developing his brain. So that means his brain is basically locked in at um, like distress, trauma, basically mm-hmm. he's PTSD. 
a, yeah. a physical yeah. PTSD in his brain. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. But he's that, worked really, really hard. Yeah. Really hard. You know, and a lot it's of it had to do with my yeah. dad, of course. Um, but he's doing really well now and his gifting finally and successful. But, you know, it's always going to be there is something. It's always there. Of course. You know, that uh-huh. that's going to be he's going to be in recovery for the rest of his life. If he's, yep. if it, that's his win, that's his only win now is yes. just to be recovering until, you know, yeah. 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 And he and finally, he said, you know what? I give up. I quit. I, that's good. I that means myself, when you surrender, then that's, that's yeah. your first step. Yeah. 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 So I'm proud of him. Yeah. I'm really proud of him, but that was hard. Um, so if we fast forward a little bit to 2011, right. Christmas time ish, right after Christmas, my husband's complaining that he can't breathe really great. And he thought it was just because he was like eating like crap, you know? Okay. It's like, I'm just eating bad. You know how you feel after the holidays? It's just like, Whoa. so he's just sort of like bloated and out of breath. Yeah. A he's bit. just like, I don't, I don't know. And he was wor- still working out every day, but he just was feeling like, you know, he his, couldn't catch his breath as good as he should have. So, um, it's January 5th. He walked half a flight of stairs and had to bend over and was just, you know, could hardly breathe. And I was like, that's it. You're going that's to the doctor. That's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, that's okay. a problem. That's a half a flight of stairs. He's right. like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm going to go tomorrow. Nope, you're not. You're going today. You're going right now. Sorry, yeah. buddy. So he went. He went and I'm waiting. He's like, just, you know, I was at home or whatever. And he calls and he's like, well, my lungs are full of clots. Full of, say that again. And his lungs were full of clots. Okay. Wow. Okay. So he, that's why he didn't have very much breath because his lungs were not full of air. They were full of clots. Yikes. And, um, that sounds so like a life threatening situation. It, it was very scary. Um, but they were kind of like, you know, we'll put him in the hospital for a couple of days. We put him on thinners. Okay. And should be able to go home in a couple of days. It's still scary, but, you know, I remember that night was parent night for basketball game, and my son was, where's dad? You know, because he's at every game, and it's like, well, he's at the hospital, but don't worry, it's okay, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. That's a Thursday. Friday morning, I go to the hospital. I don't hurry, because I think, you know, he's going to come home that afternoon, and I get there, and the doctor comes in and says, you know, I think we're going to run an endocardio, or S. Uh, what's the thing where they stick it down your throat? Endoscope. Okay. Um, it's like a scope, and they 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 put you on some mild sedatives, and they put it down your throat to check. Every, it's like a camera, right? Right. There. Sure. So a we're camera in there, and in they're your doing lungs, that, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. So right. we're in there, and the doctor says something like, "He's looking at the ultrasound picture, and he's like, okay, stop." I'm like, okay. And he calls somebody and someone comes in the room and it's a surgeon. And the surgeon says, this is the deal. He's got a clot in a hole in his heart that we didn't know was there. So he could cough or sneeze and have a massive stroke and die. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so then the surgeon continues. He says, or I can operate on him and he can die on the operating table. Oh, my goodness. I'm like. Is there a I'm third option? At him. Right. Yeah, I'm looking at him and I was like, well, are you asking me to make the decision? And he's like this guy with no bedside manner. He's like, well, I don't operate on people unless they want me to. It's like, uh, I kind of don't think we have a choice. So literally within 20 minutes, they were wheeling him behind the double doors and he was handing me his wedding ring. He went in for emergency open heart surgery. Wow. Yikes. No, it's really scary. Yeah, that's really scary. That's horribly scary. And you thought you were mm-hmm. going to pick him up and uh, leave. Go home. Go home. Yeah. It sounds mm-hmm. a little bit like this is us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I was, it was like nine hour surgery and, um, you know, people were there. And my kids, see, we worked in the same building where our kids went to school. Okay. And I was concerned that my kids were going to hear teachers over, you know, overhear someone talking about it. And I didn't want them to find out that way. So I had them sent to friends' houses and all of this. And during the surgery, one of my boys called me. He was like, I don't know, eight or nine. And he's like, Mom, you know, he sounds all panicked. I'm like, shoot, he found out, you know. I'm like, yeah, buddy, what do you need? 
I need my Mario Kart game. Can you bring it over right now? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's his emergency. Like, okay. Yeah, I was like, yep, nobody can't bring you your Mario Kart game right now. But um, it, you know, my old, my son, my oldest was 15 at the time and we brought him, no, he was 16. We brought him in. I felt like if he saw my husband breathing, it would make him feel better. Okay. But when he saw all the tubes and all the, yeah. Everything involved. They look it so like, vulnerable. It's scary. Yeah, it like traumatized them. Oh, of course. Yeah. Wow. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, look, he's okay. He's alive. And I sure. was the opposite reaction. So it's always been something that really bothered me. Mm. Um, mm. You know, it's hard. Uh, it is hard. So, that's, that's a tough choice yeah, right there. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I made the wrong one. I understand. Yeah. But... I mean, I was doing it because I thought I was going to help them. And nobody's um, perfect. So my husband, <laughs> well, I know, I know. I'm just trying to say, like, yeah, I, you know, you make mistakes. And you you have, you, yeah, you know, I, we've all yeah. made mistakes. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's a tough one. So, uh, so he goes, he comes home, and two weeks later, he's having a hard time breathing again. Oh, geez. And I'm like, I'm going to take you to the emergency room. No, no, no. I have an appointment tomorrow. I'll be fine. Long story short, by the time we get there, he had two and a half liters of blood built up around his heart. Oh, my God. And his surgeon said, you should have died of a massive heart attack. I, I can't believe you're here again. And um, so he should have died twice in the span of two and a half weeks. And um, when we went back to the hospital, the nurses kept coming to his room and they say, hey, are you the guy with the clot in your heart? You're a legend around here. <laughs> wow. Okay. They had never seen that before. They had never seen it. They were writing medical journals about it the week after it happened. But um, Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow is right. But he recovered. And it was hard. Um it was like having a newborn. Like every time he made a peep, I said, do you need something? Can I help you? You know, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Right. Um, like 24 so seven worry, basically. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yikes. Yep. But we had a great community around us of, of friends and family who brought meals, people that hired people to shovel the driveway for us, brought my kids right. places. Um, so that was incredible. And so this happened in January. And he lived. So that, 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 all of that feels like a win now. Well, yeah. I mean, after's all said (laughs) done, we're meeting with his doctor and I go, he's saying to me, you know, he sure is lucky. And I was like, no, he's not lucky. I was like, he was, you know, this is a miracle. Like, this is a miracle. And the doctor really is. Trying to look at me like, oh, and I go, no, I want you to write the word miracle on that chart right there. It's <laughs> like M-I-R-C-L-E, write it down, you know. Yeah. So he finally did, probably just to get me to quit yelling at him. But it was a miracle twice. Okay. Maybe, maybe God heard you uh, being pissed at him and he was like, maybe I can lend her a hand here. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I tend to look at it like this, that. Some of people say, well, why would God let that happen to him? And I say, you know what? It was God that kept him alive long enough to get to the hospital because yeah. Yeah. he could have sneezed literally and that would have been it. Right. That's a miracle. So, That's the definition yeah, a of miracle. miracle for sure. Yeah. It, you should call the Pope and get that certified miracle. <laughs> I should. <laughs> two of them. I want two of them. There should be two of them. You're old enough to remember uh, Father Guido Sarducci. You remember him from the old Saturday Night Live cast? Oh, I remember the name. <laughs> Which one was he? Oh, was it John, was it John it, Belushi? It was the guy. He was very rarely on the show, but he was like this Hispanic or I think maybe Italian. I'm not quite sure. But he was uh-huh. always on the news, right? And okay, uh, yeah. and he was talking about how like um, they're having a a, a a a vote on who's going to be a saint, right? And I think it might have been related to um, Mother Teresa, and there was a lot of people wanting Mother Teresa to get voted a saint, oh, right? Yeah, and yeah. and he makes this joke about this other this other cardinal or somebody who got, who got mm-hmm. uh, the last person that got sainted and two of his miracles were card tricks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 
funny. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's what I that's what I thought of when you started saying miracle, miracle, oh miracle. Gosh. Two of them are yeah. card tricks. This guy here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go look that up. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get on YouTube, everybody, and, and look up Father yeah. Guido Sarducci. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, okay. So that anyway. was 2011. So we still have yes. – we haven't gotten to your uh, your big story yet. So this is awesome. I, no, I'm loving this. Here we go. Yeah, okay. Hold on to your – put your seatbelt on. Hold on to your so, pajamas and get some water. Yeah, get something to drink. Um, so it's 2011 in January, April 2012. Okay. Um, my husband and I are enjoying an extremely exciting Friday night. We went to Menard. Oh, save big money at Menard. Yep. My, <laughs> we'll spend my big happy money, place. Yes. Love Menard. Yeah, um, awesome. So we go to Menard and we come home to watch TV. That's pretty much what we do on Friday night now that we're old. Okay. <laughs> and um, so and we're watching TV and I, I itch my bra strap and I feel something feels like a marble. Uh-oh. And I'm thinking, ah, that can't be anything. That can't be and a then, thing. And then, you know, that can't be a thing. I'm, I'm done now. Mind. I've I'm, had all of my all of my heartache. Yeah. I've had all of my death. Yeah. I've had all of my sorrow and addiction. And I've, it's all I've over. All I, everything's going to be good now. Everything's mm-hmm. going to be awesome. No more problems. Exactly. And I, I kept feeling it. And then, like, when I went to bed that night, I would lay down and I would feel for it and I couldn't feel it. And I'd sit back up and I'd feel again. And, you know, I'd think, oh, it is there. No, it's not there. Yes, it is there. You know, and I kept thinking, you're making this up. You're making this up. You're, wow. You're letting your mind take over, you know. And sure. The first thing I did when I woke up in the morning was go to the mirror and feel for it. Yep, it's still there. And it was, I remember it was Easter weekend and I was hosting that year. And only my husband knew, of course. I, I had scheduled an appointment. This is Friday night. I was going to see my doctor on Monday. Okay. But Easter Sunday dinner, in my mind, I was looking at everyone. I felt like they were in slow motion. And in my in my mind, I wanted to say, do you know I could have breast cancer? I could have breast cancer. You don't even know it. You're eating your dumb hands. <laughs> you know? I do. I know exactly I, what you mean. I've had that I emotion to, before. Yeah, like yeah. I wanted to yell at them. Like, you guys don't even know. Like, I could have breast cancer and you're just having cancer. Real life is happening to me now and you don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. Right. So um, that was a weird day, really weird day. So Monday morning, I go in, I see my doctor. She says, um, yeah, I'm going to send you tomorrow to the breast cancer specialty clinic for an ultrasound. Okay. Okay. I go there. They do the ultrasound. The technician says, can you just wait here? And I'm going to bring the radiologist in. Okay. He comes in, you know, how about if we do a biopsy right now? I was like, okay, that's disconcerting, but okay. And did you get the vibe that they're 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 really really trying not to scare you on purpose? You know, kind of. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, there was, and you know, what's weird is I was I was doing a project at a friend's house. I was actually painting some furniture, and I went to her house and started, and I left to go to the appointment. And when I left, I went back to her house and kept painting and never said a word. And it's just so weird to me. Like, why didn't I say something? I don't know. Well, you you needed time to process because you don't even understand what sort of emotion you were going through yet. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. I, I'm sure you're right, right. But I'm usually like such a loud mouth and I tell everybody everything. So sure. I was, but I didn't say anything. I think you needed some yeah. me time and you didn't even know it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, um, I think I would so I too. Home, yeah, you're just like, you you know, your mind's going crazy. Yeah. Um, so I go home, that's Tuesday, Wednesday morning, I'm painting furniture with my sister, my sister-in-law, at a big pole barn thing, and, and um, I see a missed call, if you can believe it, from the clinic, and I was like, oh my gosh, how do I miss a call from the clinic? I go sit in my car and I decide I'm going to sit here until like, they call me back. So keep in mind, this is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. This is Wednesday. Okay. And, wow. um, you know, that's like five days, four days. 
And so the phone rings and it says clinic again. And I answer and there's this like sweet older lady. And she says, are you driving right now? It's like, crap. No, I'm not. You know, but I, knew, I could be I if you want me to. Moment. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I could start driving right now because yeah, I am in my I car. Drove, would that change anything if I was driving? <laughs> yeah, see, now, yeah. if anybody ever asks you a question like, are you driving right now? You should yeah. always just say yes because you'll yes, buy yourself some time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 I'm just thinking like, I just felt so bad for her because first of all, who wants that job? Right. No, I get to that. And, oh, uh, I, I, so I want a side story just a second. Yeah. Uh, because um, something, uh, um, no, you know, it was an honest mistake, but, and no big deal. But uh, I just turned 50 myself. And uh, good for me, I had my colonoscopy right away. Um, like yeah. a day before my 50th birthday, I had my colonoscopy. Good boy. It, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, like the next, the following week, a nurse called me and said, Oh, that polyp that we took out of you, that wasn't cancer, but it could have been in the future. It, it may have been cancer in the future. So what they call that is like pre-cancer, right? Pre-cancer, um, not malignant. So, and they took it out. So no big deal, but we're going to put you on the five-year colonoscopy plan. No big deal. Right. So not really what you want to hear. I mean, there's, there's two answers on a colonoscopy. Good, bad, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly. So then a week later, um, after I I told my wife that it was like, Oh, good thing I had my colonoscopy because that was pre-cancer. And I'm like, so much for all that spinach. What the hell am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) So, so the doctor calls me back and says, uh, I have to apologize. It it turns out that wasn't cancer. Oh my God. So you're on the 10 year plan. That was just ordinary cells. It was just a tiny little polyp. It's gone. And you're on the 10 year plan. Nothing to worry about. I'm like, well, that's better. <laughs> it is better after I, yes. I actually didn't really freak out that much because of all the cancers, if you want any cancer, you should, you should pick colon cancer because it literally takes like 20 years to kill you. So oh. <laughs> that's not a lot of people die from colon cancer as long as they get their colonoscopies and take them out, you know. And it's not yeah. that big of a deal, really. Yeah. It's not fun. Yeah. I wouldn't say I want to do it for, you know, like a, a vacation. But. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. No. Stop. Anyway, sorry. I interrupted. No, that's a good. I like that. I like that. It's. I mean, we all share same similar experiences. That's the, that's the reason I think it's great to share your story. Because. Yes. Hopefully so many people are saying they're going, oh, that happened to me. Oh, I felt like that. Oh, I know what that feels like, you know. Well, I want to go back because you had four days of intense hell that were probably like stretched out slow-mo, oh my God, I'm going to die kind of in between call number one or, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, we're going to do a biopsy and we'll call you, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you, what were, how was that, where was your head? You know, I, I just, I was scared, of course. Sure. But I, I tried to just keep myself so busy, busy that I, yes. that I couldn't have time to think about it. That's all I could. Yep. I was like, okay, if I just stay super busy, I won't think about it. But, I need, you know, I need like lots night. more chairs to paint. <laughs> yeah. I need a, yeah. like 50 more kids and, yes. um, you know, so I just tried to keep really busy and I tried every time I'd start thinking about it, I would try to make myself think about something else. Okay. Um, for me, the, the battle really was way more intense after the fact, but those days were hard and scary, but I think I just tried to occupy, occupy myself. It sounds like, and you weren't sharing at that point because you wanted to know one way or the other. Exactly. So did you just, did you tell your husband? Oh yeah, my husband knew. My right. husband and I'm trying to think if I even told and my mom. Okay. Yeah, my mom went with me one of the to the Tuesday appointments. So my mom and my husband knew. 
Wow. Okay. So then you find out. And I, I, I have to, I can't imagine the, the emotion that you go through. What is the, the most surprising emotion that you went through after the call? Where, where she says, you know, are you driving? <laughs> what was the most surprising emotion? Because I know there's probably, you know, oh, my God, I'm going to die fear. But mm-hmm. what else? I was really mad that my kids were going to have to go through this again. Right. That's like all I could think about. Like, I felt like they had just kind of recovered from what happened to Jeff. Right. Okay. So I was like, how is this fair or right or now now I have to t- and I and initially I said to Jeff we're not telling them he's like well we can't do that I was like yeah we can we're not telling them I'm not telling them I'm not telling them right and um not until we have to or well yeah never. but I meant like, or never oh. right right yeah. <laughs> or never right but I um I don't know I I was angry I was scared here's the thing here's I'll tell you what shocked the doctor and my my a nurse called me to set up an appointment with a um, surgeon to get the schedule surgery. Okay. And I said, um, she goes, can you come in? On, you know, whatever it was, like two days later, it's like, oh no, actually, I'm going to Mexico. And she's like, what do you mean you're going to Mexico? I was like, well, I'm going on a mission trip to Mexico. And she goes, well, we'd really like you to come in and have this surgery. And I said, oh, it's gonna wait. And she's good like, for you. <laughs> yeah, she was like, "Well," and I go, "No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm going." So, you know, it's only six more days, and I'm scheduled, and I'm seeking. I'm going. I'm not dying in she six was days. Like, yeah. No, she was so befuddled, like sure. she couldn't. Her brain. So that was probably surprising that I was like, "No, I'm doing this." And literally, while I was there, I did not think about it, which is so weird. But I, I was so get concentrating that. on I what I was that. doing, right? That that I didn't have brain space for it, and right, right. Um, I, I was glad I did it. That's, I, I, was, I, I like I like to call that. I'm going to take a vacation from my problems. <laughs> yeah. Yes, a right. working vacation. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, um, I, I know you were working, it was but great. the yeah. vacation no, part is I'm not. I'm going to give myself permission yeah. not to worry yes. about this until yeah. I get home. Totally. Probably exactly a really good was. strategy. It actually was. And I was, you know, I was happy that I went. I was really glad that I went. Right. So, um, so I come back and I meet with my cancer surgeon who I did not like. Um, everyone else involved was amazing. I couldn't believe how amazing they were except for that surgeon. Okay. You should have fired him. And, you don't need him if you don't like him. Yeah, well, I kind of needed him. <laughs> um, Could you, there were, there loved, weren't any more? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I loved my plastic surgeon. So okay. that was amazing. And he was great. Um, so it, it was just like, okay, let's, I wanted a plan before I sat down and told the kids. I wanted a plan. Right. And so we sat him down. Okay, we're going to do a chemo. You know, I didn't know about radiation yet, but I'm going to have surgery, then we're going to do chemo. And um, that was difficult. My oldest just put his head in his hands and was sobbing. They were 12, 14, 16, and 18. And um, that was the hardest part for me. Yeah, that's got to be hard. So eventually you had to tell them. Yeah, I had to tell them. I didn't want to, but I had to. Right, right. Well... I understand why you didn't want to because, you know, being being honest was a regret in the past, right? Yeah. Showing them yep. dad was mm-hmm. like, okay, uh, maybe that wasn't the right call, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. Exactly, right. exactly. Yeah, people so, don't um, get that, that life is not always like cut and dry like it is in the movies, like... You know, like everybody just, just be true. Just be true. Sometimes people aren't ready for true, you know, mm-hmm. especially when they're kids. Maybe they, they're they not really prepared for that that level of truth in their life yet. And we mm-hmm. do that all the time with kids. So, yeah, that's it's a tough call. 
I could I could see it being just like oh my god I'm, uh. <laughs> yeah right I, I yeah it was it was a really tough call but I you know we had to tell them and they were you know I mean they started doing their own laundry all this stuff yeah which is not a bad thing right <laughs> no um, that's good it was not a bad They're, thing you you're know, building they, up some resilience <laughs> for them in the future yes yes. Definitely. I had a thought about that and it like ran away from my brain and I can't find it, but I'll, I'll think of it. Um, <clears throat> so the kids were, you know, we scheduled everything. I scheduled, um, you know, the surgery, they found it in my lymph nodes and they, they took care of that and um, came home to recover. I guess I just, here's, well, I'm going to get to what was a surprising emotion. Okay, okay? sure. I get through the surgeries. And they give me like six weeks to recover and then start chemo. Okay. And um, my first chemo, they started with what's called the red devil and it's red literally. And it's what, it's what makes women sick and lose their hair. Okay. Is this one of those um, uh, things that is like killing everything like in your whole body mm. kind of thing? To be honest, I don't even know. Okay. I'm the type of person like, just tell me what I have to do and I'll do it. Okay. Gotcha. Don't, the red I don't devil. even need all the details. But the red devil is whatever it was killing something. That's for sure. Well, for you, and, it's trying to kill the cancer. Right. Yeah. Yep. And the thing is, on the way to the appointment, I was, I was, didn't feel worried. I was like, all right, we're going to do chemo number one, knock it out, la la. You know, I was in good spirits. The minute they started it, I started sobbing uncontrollably. I mean, just sobbing. Wow. And I could not make it stop. And it scared me. Sure. And um, my nurse comes over. She goes, hey, you're okay. This is normal. And I'm just looking at her bewildered, like normal. I, I Normal. How can it be normal? You wanted to punch her, didn't you? I, I was, yeah, I was like so confused. I was right. like, I don't even understand what you're saying right now. And so they got my doctor who was wonderful. And he came in and he said, this is totally normal. And he looks me right in the eyes and he says, you're just having an anxiety attack. And I looked at him and I go, I don't have those. He said, well, you are. And it's okay. It's normal. And I had never experienced anxiety, depression, anything like that, even with all the stuff I'd gone through. Right. And it jumped on, it like came along with the cancer and I had no idea, no idea at all that people dealing with cancer, maybe it's just me with that like anxiety and depression. I did not know that. But I mean, it makes sense though, right? I mean, Oh, a hundred percent. Totally makes sense. I mean, I've never, I think I would have whatever people get, I would have at times 10. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm pretty I, sure. Yes. I just never heard anyone mention it. I right. just, I did not know. Oh, this is my thought came back. Remember I had the thought that ran away. Sure. I couldn't find it. Okay. Here, here, this is back to the kids real quick. So another reason I didn't want to tell them was that the two people that they loved that got cancer both died. Right. And right. I, I was like, you know, I didn't want them to be afraid every single day. Right. Well, and it's already oh, so was... much part of their story. And it's mm-hmm. never, there's never been a happy ending with cancer yet. At that, up until that point. Correct. Right. So they're just thinking, oh my God, mom's going to die. Right. Yeah. And, wha- and I just couldn't yeah. stand the thought of them in their beds at night thinking, you know, because that's when you really think. Uh, but I, so, so now we're back to the, the depression, anxiety. I, I, you know, basically lived in a chair for like two years, almost, I, I want to say a year and a half a recliner and, um, and a two, you know, but there was positive too. Right. right. There were positive. I, oh, you got weed for free. I didn't get any weed. Oh, that's what goes with chemo. You were in the wrong Nobody state. Nobody gave me any weed. I didn't give any weed. <laughs> wrong state. You should have went to California or Colorado I for your chemo. I should have I was thinking. Um, no, all no all weed, chemo should come with weed. 
plenty of uh, Stacy's pita chips or, or whatever they're called. That's about all I ate for two okay. years. What? Um, oh my goodness. Well, you know, like when your stomach is nauseous, to me, the only thing that sounded good was like plain breadish. Right. Something thing. like saltines or pita chips or something like that. Yeah. And here's the other surprising thing. Okay. So I will tell, I will admit something. So Please. you get diagnosed, right? And I'm yep. thinking, this is terrible. But at least I'll lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> That's I the best. Myself. Yes. At least I'll lose weight. Nope. <laughs> I gained weight. No really? weight loss involved. It was really? Me. I, was, I complained to my doctor. It's like, what's the matter? I thought I would lose weight. He's like, uh, no, you don't lose weight. <laughs> um, bummer. Anyway. Yeah, that was a bummer. But... um. So I did the chemo. Oh, I just I say when they scheduled the chemo, I had told them it was that fall was gonna be my son's senior year in high school and he played football. And I was like, I am not missing a game. So all this chemo needs to be scheduled before football season starts. And um, you know, football season's like eight games in the regular season. It's right. so short. And this is his deal, you know? Yeah. So we get it all scheduled and my last chemo is like Tuesday and Friday night's his first game. So I'm at the game. I I'm okay. I mean I don't feel great, but I'm there and everything. You're kinda wiped out though, right? And, yeah, I'm wiped out, but I'm there. Right. Like I'm here. I'm not missing a game. And he comes out on the front line or whatever and I'm trying to find him and I look. And he had surprised me and he came out in pink cleats and pink gloves. That's perfect. <laughs> in my honor. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's that awesome. was a positive. Yes. You know, that was like, Aww. so Aww. sweet. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, so I got through the chemo, then uh, the radiation. And I'll tell you a funny story about radiation. So, you know, radiation, when you go in, the first thing they do is they make a form of your body. That at least in my case, so I had to lay back because they were, you know, hitting all the areas and they make the form of your body so that every single day you're in the exact same position. So the radiation is going, you know, targeted at the right spot. Okay. And they make like little tattoos. So there's like five little black tattoo dots that they line up like a graph on your body when they do the radiation every day. So they know where to put you in the form. Exactly. Okay. And so... Um, so when I had surgery, I had expanders put in, I don't know if you know what expanders are, but they basically are rubber balloons that they form a pocket for implants later for reconstruction. Okay. And what they do is you go in every week and they use a needle and they insert water slowly to, to form your skin to a pocket so they can put in the implant. Oh, that's smart. That's smart. Well, (laughs) the idea there is that you're not going to get those stretchy marks. Exactly. Okay. Your body's like being prepared. Okay. So when they're doing all these, making this form, they decide, oh, your whatever. Right breast is too big. You have to go have stuff taken out. So they're uneven and so that the radiation doesn't hit the wrong spot. Okay. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I go do that. I come back, but still in the way. Okay, of the radiation. <laughs> wow. So my technician is a young man who every single day used a big piece of tape and taped my right breast out of the way of the radiation. Okay. So <laughs> you, you guys have to laugh you, about this stuff. Yeah, you, you have you, to. What yeah, else right. are you going to do? Right. Okay. So one day he is taping me, okay, in the middle of taping me, and he says to me, Hey, I know a guy from your church. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, did you really just say that to me as you are taping me? Right, <laughs> like, right. I know a guy from your church. Oh my gosh! So, I, well, let, let's just hope they're not they're so not hard. they're not talking about his job together. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, but anyway, you got to have that kind of funny stuff to get you through. Well, let me tell you, you you've gone through not uh, everything that uh like okay, so cancer a lot, the heart attack a lot, and then recovery a lot. Um mm-hmm. so like I can see where you like would have like um every sort of falsity of life has been stripped away from you. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't 
I, I can't imagine you suffering like idiots very much, you know, with people, you know, stressing out about things that don't matter. Have you got that? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. You know what? I yeah. try to take it in perspective because. Well, never, not everybody's had your life, right? So, nope. Right. They haven't. And I just think it's so, you know, have you ever met a person that goes overseas for a, a trip, like a mission or something, and they come back and they think, oh, you're just wasting all your money on that food and look at all the stuff you have because they all of a sudden had this realization of what the rest of the world looks like. Right. It's like, okay, but, you know, I live here. So, right. So, I right. don't know. I no, no. Things in perspective for people. Yeah, and but yeah. I mean, you definitely have those thoughts every once in a while. It's like, okay, you guys, it's like first world problems here. Get over it. Well, yeah, and I've had a lot of folks that are, you know, like in recovery on the show, mm-hmm. right? And one mm-hmm. of the one of the traits of recovery, basically, that process mm-hmm. strips away the BS. Yep. So when you're talking at an AA meeting or a Anon meeting or whatever meeting, um, it's it's a no BS zone, right? <laughs> you're not For talking sure. about shopping and TV, right? You're, no. you're talking about real stuff. Um, yeah. And so it's like you have to recalibrate your brain to go back and, and be okay with talking about TV and yeah. nice things again, you know? Nice things. Yeah. <laughs> right. Everyone needs a little fluff in their life. Amen. Thank God. Yes. Thank God for yeah. fluff. Yes. Yeah. You like it. Uh, so I get through all that. I get the clean bill of health, although I, I was still dealing with the depression and anxiety. So I wasn't, um, you know, I was happy, but it, it, I don't know. It was a weird feeling. Did you get any sort um, of uh, treatment for that? I asked a couple times for medication and my doctor kept telling me, you know, just wait it out. It'll be fine. And so, um, no, I know it eventually went away, but, um, it's rough. Yeah, it was. And he, I felt like he, I loved him, but I felt like he kind of blew that part of what I was explaining to him off a little bit. I yeah, that's, uh, I get it because it's, it, again, it's part of our, a societal problem of not mm-hmm. having a really good grasp of dealing with mental health. Um, we yeah. just don't, you know, we're, we're horrible <laughs> psychology and psychology, you know, all of that stuff. We just don't yeah. know how to deal with it other than try to try to avoid it. You know, okay, maybe we'll medicate it, you know, but let's not talk about it because it's just, we don't, we don't want to do that, you know? Yeah. And I always say now, I say one of the gifts I got out of cancer was empathy. Right. For that in particular, because I had never dealt with it before. And I think um, when you've never felt anxious or depressed, it's really hard to empathize with people that do deal with it. Right. And so that's a gift I got out of the situation for sure. So before we wrap up, briefly describe why you decided to put yourself through a TV show after living through all of that. <laughs> because that, I could. Because, okay. Oh, I understand. That makes sense. Because I could. Because I'm alive, right? Yep. Yep. Wow. I, I've been a fan of the show and all that. And um, my oldest son said to me, like, Mom, you got to cancer. Why don't you just go for it? I was turning 45 and I was like, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. Right. And so I just went for it and I got the call. I mean, wow. It's crazy beans, really. Crazy um, beans. <laughs> yeah. I, I love looking at the, the picture of the TV show of, uh, of the cast. So there's all these like uh, millennials and, you know, they yeah. like look like models and stuff. And then yeah. there's like you and a couple other Gen Xers. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> it's a huge difference. Yeah. 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 So you're saying I didn't look like a model. Like, just like well, you looked like you looked saying? like you looked like a Gen Xer. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I do. Right. Here's the thing. I'll tell you about that. Is I'm on them, you know, obviously on the island, and I start seeing all the cute ones, you know, that they always have, like 23, 24. They're right. so cute. They look like models. Sure. And I'm thinking, oh, what was I thinking? I have to wear my swimsuit in front of 10 million people. This looks so dumb. 
Right. And I was, you know, like getting all upset about it. And then I thought, you know what? What do I care? I am 45. I got four kids. I'm proud of it. And you survived cancer. Yeah. I was like, forget it. So that minute I decided I don't even care. Right. It's just, you're real. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I do not care. So, yeah, it was. um, The thing was, is I worked full time with millennials at the time that the show aired. Okay. So I was thrilled once because you don't find out what the show, the theme of the show is until you start playing the game. Okay. So we didn't find out until Jeff says to us, like you guys are watching, welcome to Survivor 33, Millennials versus Genet. That's when we find out the theme. Wow. And I am like, <laughs> I am like, the other Gen Xers are like, ah, Millennials, you know? And I'm like, yay, yes, Millennials. millennials. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I was happy. Wow. So I, I was. How, uh, what was it like being on that show? I mean, um, was, how long did you last? I lasted 35 days. Wow. That seems like most of the show. Yep. I was four days shy of the final tribal. Wow. Holy cow, though. I mean, that that's cool because you're on most of the show. So that's pretty damn mm-hmm. good. Yeah. That is. It is. And especially being the day I left, my kids were like, Mom, whatever you do, don't get voted out first. Right. <laughs> that's a good goal. You don't want to be the yeah. first voted out. You guys right. stink. Well, I will say this. On our second challenge, this is where Divided by Gen X and Millennials, our second challenge um, was a challenge we had to climb a cargo net, jump in the air, catch a key, all this stuff. Yeah. And we won the challenge that day. Wow. That's that impressive. Day, it was impressive. And that day was April 11th. It was the same day I had been diagnosed just four years later. Wow. Holy cow. That's fun. <laughs> So winning a challenge, jumping off a cargo net in the middle of the ocean on the same day I had been diagnosed. It was crazy. Yeah. And it was just like, you know what? Cancer does not have to define the rest of your life. It does anything. Right. Does not have to. Um, and so I know that day when I fell in the water that I came out a different person. And I had decided when I went out there, like, I'm, I'm not coming back with this extra jump from cancer, the the anxiety, the, you know, the things that I felt like were just hanging around, I couldn't get rid of. Right. Like I am leaving them out there. And, and I did. Wow. It was, it was a crazy ride. So fun. Met the most amazing people I'll be friends with for life. Yeah. It was more grueling than I could have ever imagined. Yeah. Um, ever. Right. Emotionally and mentally, even the living part was hard, but it was the emotional and the mental um, toll that it takes on you. That was, really hard. Wow. Pretty amazing. <laughs> I am a lucky girl. I will tell you that it was, it was quite an experience to I go through all of that. Now, now what, what's your relationship with, have you made peace now with, with God? Are you less angry? Oh yeah. I got over that. <laughs> I got over that because you know, there's so much more good that happens and it's right. not his fault anyways. So yeah, I got over that. Good. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. And you've got that room in there about stuff you don't understand. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So stick that stuff right in there. Before we wrap up, let's talk a little bit yep. more about what you've got going on over there at IamGritGirl.com that, uh, that people can check you out at. Um, okay. Well, they can go to my website. Like you said, IamGritGirl.com. I do women's events. Um, here, local meetups, and I have a big event coming up in November. Cool. I speak at women's events. I speak at corporate meetings, you know, basically anywhere someone needs to hear about grit, which is everywhere. Right. right. Yes. Uh, overcoming your setbacks and how to find the positive in them. And um, I have a book. It's called Power. No, sorry. Total brain fart there. It's called Grit Girl, Power to Survive, Inspired by Grace, which you right. can get on my website as well, and I will sign it. Awesome. Um, yeah, like follow me on Twitter, at Sunday Survivor, Instagram, Sunday Survivor. I have a women's group on Facebook for any of the girls out there that they can join called Grit Girl Tribe with Sunday. And um, yeah, just connect with me. And before, before we, we wrap up, we have to say buck up, buttercup, you've got grit. <laughs> oh, we do for sure. 
sure. Because I love like, that. Don't be complaining to me about anything. So I'm going to tell you, just buck up, Buttercup. There you go. Grit. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> this has been a blast. And uh, thank you yeah. for uh, sharing and being honest. Um, one of my favorite shows so far. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. You asked great questions and you let me talk about stuff I never get to talk about. There so you go. That's right. a lot of fun. That's fun. Yeah. Okay. You have a good day. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. You too. Thanks, ba- Jeff. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V-double-E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.